Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat, conversations with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. We will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I will provide you with guests and information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. So now, let's move behind the scenes right here at Movie Beat. Uh, today, our guest is uh, the marketing manager for Marcus Corporation, Mr. Carlo Petrick. He'll be coming up in just a few minutes, but in the meantime, I want to thank all my listeners and readers for tuning in. I want to tell everyone that the chat room is, in fact, open, and you may join us there. If you've got questions of my guests, you can always ask them in the chat room. And um, I want to thank you for all your emails and your phone calls and, uh, and for spreading the word about Rex Ike's Movie Beat to all your friends and your industry connections. When you repost... Uh, and retweet about my guests and these shows and the articles and the blogs on the website, you further the reach of, of Rex Sykes Movie Beat to be able to reach more filmmakers and more fans and let them in on the secrets of filmmaking so that uh, they, like yourself, can get the uh, critical information that is shared by my important guest. Now, the official website is rexsykes.com. That is R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com, and you can always subscribe to the website right there at the welcome page using the RSS feed button on the welcome page. Uh, Movie Beat is really designed to be a resource for you, and that is why I connect you up with professionals who are making it happen. To follow us on Twitter, go to Rex Sykes Movie BT. It's Rex Sykes Movie BT. That last word is abbreviated. And please do follow us, and please do share us. Uh, we love it when you do. You can join the Rex Sykes Movie Beat Facebook group by clicking on that link at my profile on Facebook, or you can join Rex Sykes Movie Beat Friends. And that's another way to stay in touch and to learn about all the things that are happening with Movie Beat, the upcoming guests, events that we might be at. Uh, we created a film festival with Firestarter Films in UW-Waukesha last year. So uh, if you're in my listing area, you know, you may see me locally or when I travel. Uh, you know, I, I love to meet and greet with you, so uh, I always appreciate your support. And, uh, and uh, through Facebook, that's another way for us to stay in touch. Now, the good news is, is if you're listening live, first off, if you're listening live, go ahead and rate and review the shows. Uh, make us a friend. Make us a fan. And uh, if you do that on each and every show, that helps us as well. It extends that reach. It makes us more popular. It lets more people know about us. And uh, as I said, my guests are, are very generous with the information that they provide you so that you can make your films and your movies, your TV projects, your episodes much more efficiently, effectively, uh, cheaper, you know, less expensively. Um, so please help share them in that fashion. If you're listening to this archive from my website, that means you're at the interviews blog, you know not to pay any attention to the date that's on the blog. That's just the publication date, not the date of the airtime of the show. And if you're listening to this live, it means that you've gone inside the bio page of the guest and you've clicked on the link that says to listen here live, and you're listening at that point. Uh, but the great news is, is that all of the interviews are archived right there at Rex Likes 
com in that interview's archive. So you can go and listen to the other 120 great guest interviews that uh, have already taken place. And you can also subscribe to the Rex Sykes Movie Beat podcast. That way you will always get each and every interview downloaded right to your uh, phone, your touch, your iPad, your uh, your iPhone, your electronic device, your BlackBerry, whatever it is, so that you'll have it at your fingertips. And that each and every day that we do an interview, they'll be delivered directly to you. So uh, that is, in fact, good news. Um, just a couple of announcements, and we will uh, bring on uh, Mr. Carlo Petrie. You can listen to my Film Lad contribution. I'm a contributor on the Film Lad show at filmlad.com. It's a radio show that also streams live on the Internet. And uh, you can just go to filmlad.com, go to the history I appeared yesterday. We talk about fly, making films in the flyover states. Uh, that's the states between the coasts and what it's like to uh, uh, try and create a film industry in these states. Sometimes we talk about film incentives and many other things. But there's a couple of uh, recent episodes with me there. Go ahead and uh, check that out if you're so inclined. The Art and Craft of the Director Film Workshop coming up May 14th through the 16th in Vancouver with our Movie Beat guest, uh, Mr. Peter Marshall. Check that out at the Hot and Fun blog on Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The V-Pipe Screenplay Pitch Contest by, by way of Facebook ends April 15th. So if you've got a project you want to pitch to Hollywood producers uh, and, and the big-time players, then be sure to take advantage of that. And again, hot and fun blog. Kevin Sorbo will return to uh, face uh, to uh, Rex Sykes movie sometime soon, and uh, he's got his charity coming up, uh, a world fit for kids. This is, is his golf tournament, a celebrity golf tournament in Las Vegas in June. So check that out at the same place, uh, hot and fun blog. Film Wisconsin, I'm sorry, the Wisconsin Film Festival, April 14th through the 19th, 18th, is coming up in Madison, Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Film Festival, April 14th through the 18th. I keep telling you that Mike Madsdorf, who directed Feed the Fish, uh, screens his movie there, 10-15, April 16th. He was a guest on the show. Go and listen to his interview. I'm going to be there uh, to check out the movie. I'm also going to go back and see Baraboo uh, by David Lynch's uh, one-time partner, uh, Mary Sweeney. So uh, check out the Wisconsin Film Festival if you're uh, in the listening area. Now what I'd like to do is turn my attention to my guest, and that is Mr. Carlo Petrick. Uh, he's the marketing manager of Marcus Corporation. We're going to be discussing uh, film exhibition. Uh, he's been involved in the movie business for more than 30 years, primarily on the exhibition side, but also on the creative side. He's originally from Wisconsin, grew up as a movie fan, and uh, now he takes... Uh, this job uh, of, of working at theaters, uh, working with movies, working with the Marcus Corporation very seriously. He uh, will be discussing just what he does in terms of getting movies uh, marketed, uh, released in his in the theaters and, and uh, promoted. So, Carlo, are you there, sir? I am here. How are you today? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing well as well. Thank you for asking. And, um, Carla, let me ask you uh, right out of the gate, let me just say, what is the role of exhibition in the movie business? Well, the, the role of exhibition in the movie business is to provide an audience for the filmmakers who are making films. 
we provide the venues where people can come and experience what creative people create. It's an opportunity for us to, uh, to show films of all kinds and to put audiences in seats who are going to talk about the films and enjoy them and uh, relate to them. So it's, it's really, I like to say, bringing Hollywood to your hometown. Awesome. And, um, and how do you do that? Who do you work with? Uh, and, and maybe we should go through that there's a production aspect, there's a distribution aspect, there's the exhibition aspect. And then there are many parts to each of those um, areas. And uh, let's discuss who you work with and then what are some of the different parts of the exhibition process that, that, that you engage in. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, we, we work with all of the major studios and the minor studios to, uh, to book their films into our theaters. The company that I work for, Marcus Theaters, is a mainstream movie company, uh, exhibition company. We show the Hollywood blockbusters. Uh, we really don't get into a lot of the art and independent films. Uh, we leave that to Landmark and other people who more specialize in that kind of thing. So the movies that you see at a Marcus Theater would be you know, Avatar and Clash of the Titans and the, the big blockbusters. But we also work very closely with some smaller companies and, and individual filmmakers to present their films at our theater locations. All right, well, let's talk about the reality of that. What, why just the major studios as opposed to when you say you leave certain things to landmark and those, what, what's the difference and, and why is that? Or what is the well, kind of decision? Well, it's, it's primarily commercial. The movies that we get from studios like Universal, Paramount, Warner Brothers are the ones that people want to see that uh, will make the most money at the box office. They're uh, marketed and, and promoted by the studios uh, who, who spend millions and millions of dollars to ensure that people will come to see their movies. So that's, that's the primary reason. So how do the movies get to the theaters that that you show? How are they delivered to you? How do, how do you end up with movies? And uh, uh, is it like a buy? I mean... How do you select, or how do they get to you? You know, I mean, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, there's there's a whole process, and we have a a film department in our company, and their job is to screen all of the movies and make all of the negotiations and deals with the studios to uh, book them into our theater locations. Uh, Studios have release schedules and make the movies available on on dates nationwide. And primarily we look at the films and decide how many theaters we want to show them at and uh, um, at at what price and uh, do all of the negotiations necessary to make the movies appear in our locations. Well, let me ask. I mean, I know you have relationships with all these major studios and, mm-hmm. and distribution companies, but but kind of, do you solicit them or do they solicit you? It's a or two-way street, I suppose. But how how does that process work? Well, they have a release schedule, and we work with them very closely and and look at the schedule and say, okay, you know, we think this this movie is going to do pretty well at our location, so uh, we're going to book it into as as many theaters as we can. So basically it's, it's you know they they make the films available, we negotiate the price and and show the films in our theaters. 
But, but I guess the point I'm making, or the question I'm asking, is: is you have your own selection criterion for which mm-hmm. films you you choose. You're not, you don't have to take movies. In other words, you you can pick. No, them. we don't. We don't have to, but uh, nine times out of ten, we'll we'll show the movie uh, that's in national release. I see. Do they still have package arrangements where you take this one, you also get these, or? Uh, no, each film is negotiated on an individual basis. Okay. There was some time, years and years ago, I don't know if it affected Marcus or not, but years ago, I, and I forget the title of the movie, it was one of those that was pre-sold for you know hundreds of thousands of dollars, and it came out you know supposed to be a blockbuster, and it just completely tanked. And mm-hmm. I, as, as I recall, it changed kind of the face of the whole process in terms of what exhibitors were willing to, to do at that time. I mean, it, it seemed... This must have been in the 70s or 80s, and it was probably, uh, you know, one of these blockbusters along the line of, of Earthquake. It wasn't Earthquake, but, you know, Earthquake or King Kong or, or something like that at that time. And, um, I mean, are you aware of this? I mean, has, has there been a change in the way exhibition has been done from the 70s to, to now in, in terms of um, what you choose or why you choose or, or the rates that which films are coming in? Because at one time I thought it was that the, the, the cost became almost prohibitive to get to get movies in and keep them for, you know, uh, the run that, you know, in order to make your money back kind of thing. Right. There are, there are several factors that have gone into the evolution of our industry over the last 30 years. Um, video has had a lot to do with it in the sense that now every movie is a blockbuster. It has to have a huge opening weekend. Back in the 70s and, and 80s, movies used to play for longer lengths of time. When I was uh, when I when I first started in the business, one of the movies that I played at the theater was E.T. and we played that movie for almost an entire year, and wow. it did almost as well, <laughs> you know, the last week of the run as it did at the beginning of the run. That just is unheard of now. And the way film used to be structured is you paid more film rental for the first or second week of the movie than you did for the end of the run. That's changed as runs have shortened, and now it's all negotiated as as a percentage of the box office revenue that theaters generate. So it's not as upfront loaded as it used to be, but we're, we're still paying a a large percentage of every ticket that we take in back to the film companies as film rental. Can we talk about that a little bit? How theaters make their money? Then what you know what drives the prices and and how you recoup on an investment? Well, the, uh, the it's, it's no surprise that the biggest profit center at a movie theater is the concession stand. We control what we sell at the concession stand and uh, can can make a very good profit on popcorn and soft drinks. Uh, a that good is profit <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. You know, by the time that we pay all of the expenses and uh, you know pay all the labor and, and insurance and taxes and everything necessary to run a, a building, uh, we don't have any profit left if we were just limited to selling movie tickets. Hey, and I, it has. You know, in the old days, you used to go to a movie theater. They had one screen. It was usually a large screen, and they might have a double feature on certain nights, like Halloween or or something. They might have a six-hour marathon of movies. 
But if you had a double feature, you know, the concession stand was open during the beginning. It was open during the intermission. It was it was still open when we walked out of the theater because the next showing might be, you know, occurring uh, shortly thereafter. But that all changed. I mean, we went from single theaters to uh, multi-screens, uh, you know, multiple runs. But I don't think I've seen a double bill advertised in a couple of decades. I mean, I can't remember the last one I saw. Um how is is I mean obviously there's something working there. You've got more screens. The concession stands are open, but sometimes I walk into theaters, and you know any theater, and there's like two people sitting there, mm-hmm. and you're running not just Marcus, but any theater. They're running the movie, and there's two people watching this movie, and another theater might be filled, and another theater might have no one in it, and another might have 50 people. I mean, does it all balance out in the long run the way? things are structured now and having the concessions open during all that time i mean is it there must be kind of a formula that is has been engineered that that makes sense you're 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 right there there's a lot of uh difference in the number of people in any auditorium on any given night as i said the uh, the industry really has changed to the extent that everything is focused on opening weekend now and you need to get as many people in theaters as you can on opening weekend because next weekend there's something new and people want to go see this something new and and the old movie that opened a week ago drops 50 60 80 percent sometimes so we we really are are dependent on all of the marketing that the studios do to get people in the door for those opening weekends and second third fourth weekends if people come that's just great Avatar was um, a movie that uh, broke the mold, kind of, because people kept coming back, and it didn't have these huge fall-offs from opening week to second week to third week. It just held in there, and people kept coming back to see that movie. But that is the exception, not the rule anymore. No, that's fascinating. I mean, it is absolutely fascinating. Um, is there does any of it have to do with you know, I mean in other words now a lot of things are automated do you, you don't need the same you don't need, and I don't know what's unionized and what isn't unionized in terms of project, projectionists and things like that mm-hmm. but I suspect some of that has some play in there um, are 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 more of the the films that are being shown easier to to do now I mean there's not as much upkeep you don't need a a projectionist in each theater, or one runs from each theater to theater to start the. I mean, how does that work? Yes, that, that's a big change in our industry uh, that that started probably in the 70s. That there is no longer a projectionist needed in every booth for every auditorium. Most of the projection equipment is automated now. Uh, the the film is all on one platter, so that it basically is push a button and the movie starts and runs through to the end and then's ready to uh, to be threaded up to start the next show. So a projection person can go from booth to booth to booth and just make sure that everything is running. It doesn't require, in, in, in the long old days, two projectionists in each, each booth because there were two projectors and the reel switched back and forth. That doesn't happen anymore. Right. And with, with the... Uh, uh, transition to digital cinema, it, it even is becoming simpler, where in many cases that projection person is being replaced by 
a computer technician because everything is on a server and it's running through uh, Cat5 cables and you need to create playlists and, and work with computers. So our industry really is in flux with the whole transition to digital right now. Do you see a, a timetable in terms of when the kind of digital evolution for theaters is going to be more complete? I don't mean finished, but I mean mm -hmm. more and more of the theaters will be offering that option. I, I would say conservatively within the next five years or so, there's going to be a predominance of digital projection in movie theaters. We've been talking about digital taking over for film for the last 10, 12 years, and it's finally at the point where it's going to happen. Wow. Wow. Now, going back to the idea of opening weekend, you're trying to funnel all these people to a particular mm -hmm. movie on opening weekend. Now, when you have a multiplex, do you have multiple openings? Or are you trying to time every opening to a different weekend, Even, I mean, depending on the studio timetables? Well, it's, it's really up to the studios to decide whether they want to compete on a particular weekend. Some weekends, there'll be three or four or five new movies opening, and other weekends, there might be one. And Mostly that is because the studios look at what the other studios are doing and saying, uh, we don't want to compete against Avatar opening on this particular date or another movie opening this particular date. Or they look and they see that a family movie is opening on this weekend. So we're going to counter-program and open a movie that's going to appeal to uh, teenage males or something like that. It is an amazing business. I mean, all the plotting and planning that goes into it. Let me uh, backtrack just a little bit, Carlo, and ask you about you. How did you get involved in all of this? Well, I love movies, and I've always loved movies. And I, I just went to my local theater and hung out and watched movies. And at some point, the manager just said to me, hey, you're here all the time anyway. Do you want a job? So I said, yeah, that'd be cool. That's cool. And? And I took the job, and my, my, my first job in the movie industry was changing the marquee on the outside of the building, taking off the letters and putting up the titles of the new movies opening that week. And then I progressed to uh, selling popcorn and tickets and started to run the uh, the projectors and... Uh, became an assistant manager and then had an opportunity to become a manager of a movie theater, uh, worked at that, and then uh, was offered a position as a supervisor for multiple theater locations before finally uh, moving to our corporate offices and uh, becoming a marketing promotions communications person. Wow. And today... And today, my primary job is to do public relations, marketing communications uh, for all of the theaters that uh, my company operates. We have about uh, 55 locations, close to 700 screens in seven states in the Midwest. And it's uh, my job to, uh, to make sure that people know about our locations. Uh, when we open new theaters, I, I am on the ground making sure that... Uh, uh, we have media events that uh, everything runs smoothly, that uh, the, the PR and communications to let people know about our new locations is all in place and uh, effective.
Awesome. Carlo, how are the movies advertised and marketed by theater companies? Well, by theater companies, our primary uh, way of advertising is newspaper directory ads, which are listings of the movie titles and the showtimes, uh, as well as more and more online marketing. Uh, used to be that uh, newspaper was the primary advertising vehicle for movie theaters, but that's no longer the case. A lot of theater companies, including mine, have pulled out of newspapers on a uh, on a fairly regular basis. We might be in newspapers now only on weekends with showtimes because that's when most people go to the movies. But we have developed a, a really robust uh, web presence with MarcusTheaters.com and uh, our, our email newsletter where we email over uh, 240,000 people I'm sorry, 140,000 people every week. Uh, the showtimes for our uh, our theaters. Now, how is it? So it's it's changed in that regard. It's gone from from mostly the newspaper to online. That's right. That's uh, for for the theater companies, exhibitor exhibitors. Um, our our primary way of marketing is now online. We do Facebook. We do Twitter. Uh, the Distributors' primary way of marketing their films is through movie trailers and on online and television advertising primarily. You don't. If if I watch a trailer on TV, I watch a TV ad, and it says mm -hmm. this movie's opening and it's coming to a Marcus Theater. Do you have to pay for that inclusion? Are you partnered with the distributors' costs in television advertising? No, not directly. That's part of the film rental payment that we make. All right. Well, that's that is that is it's absolutely fascinating. And um, I, you know what I want to do? I need to take a short break now, and then we're going to come back and continue to talk about this with uh, Mr. Carlo Petrick. Okay, Carlo. Okay. All right. You're, you're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The official web address is uh, rexsykes.com. Of course, we. Appreciate all of your comments and all of your uh, emails and phone calls. Please do feel free to contact uh, me through the website. And uh, I'm just going to list some of our upcoming guests who will be following Carlo. Juliet Lando, uh, the actor best known probably for Drusilla in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel on television. She also starred opposite Johnny Depp in Ed Wood. Peter Marshall, uh, who's got the director's workshop. He's a director and a first AD. He's done our AD series and our director series here on Movie Beat. We'll be coming back. Curtis Smith, first assistant director, has worked numerous movies. He's going to be talking about his job as a first AD. He was also the first AD on No God, No Master. We've had uh, the director, uh, Terry, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Terry Green. We've had um, Sam Witwer, who starred in the movie with uh, David Strathairn. We've had Edward Ballerini on as well. So you're going to want to hear Curtis talk about uh, making movies. Co-producers and co-directors Chris Power and Nathan Hines follow with the movie Long Pig, which will show in uh, my area on April 22nd, and I will be there. It's screening at, I think, the Times Cinema um, that night. Sam Whitwer will be returning. I just mentioned him um, from No God, No Masters. Ian Agard, director uh, and author of a new e-book on how to finance your movies. Julie Richardson, the producer of Collateral, will be 
coming back to talk some more. Jenny Stolte is a cinematographer. We're going to talk about uh, what it's like to be a DP in the movie business again with another cinematographer. And then just so many others are coming up. So be sure to look at the interviews blog. Go into the archives and look through uh, the guest list and uh, the, the names there because they're either coming up or they have uh, appeared on the show. Uh, Carlo, we are back. And I have a question from the chat room for you. All right. And uh, it's regarding digital. Uh, with a, it says, the cost of digital potentially cheaper than film. I guess is the cost is what they're asking. Without prints, is it all now just hardware and projector costs, or what? Uh, or what would be the cost once the, the digital is in place? Well, the, uh, the the transition to digital is a very very expensive proposition because a 35 millimeter film projector you can probably equip a booth for thirty or forty thousand dollars. The digital projector probably is $150,000. So there's a huge investment up front. Right now it's being uh, debated about how to fund that transition. And studios are probably assisting with that in, in some ways by paying virtual print fees, which um, sort of is, is the money that they're saving by not striking a 35 millimeter print that they're paying to help offset the cost of the technology and the hardware. But once that happens, there are ongoing expenses that theaters will have because it's hardware and software now, not nuts and bolts and sprockets. So software will have to be updated on an ongoing basis. Hardware will become obsolete as new technology that improves resolution and um, that sort of thing changes. It, it potentially can change the way that films are being distributed because once digital is, is everywhere, uh, somebody can just create a film and give it to a theater, and the theater can load it onto their digital server and show the film. Uh, so that, that eliminates the expense that some filmmakers will have of creating 35-millimeter prints. There is a follow-up question regarding that, and it, it, it's, I'm trying to figure it out. Is the, turnaround, is the turnaround time from investment to payback? I guess maybe what is what do you anticipate the turnaround time from investment to payback is, and is the current economy slowing that process? Uh, I, I don't know what the payback time is. Uh, the numbers are still being. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. The numbers are still being crunched to figure out how to pay for the transition to digital. Uh, there, there are some companies that. Uh, have one model and others that have different models that uh, pay for it up front and then recoup the cost through virtual print fees. Some companies are saying we're going to own our own equipment and do it our own. So that, that is still not 100% determined. But uh, the, the transition to digital is, is going to happen, like I said, within the next five years, I think. And some companies are being more aggressive than others, uh, but it's, 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 it's coming and it's going to be here very soon. And how has 3D changed the business? 
3D has created a huge opportunity for theater owners because audiences love 3D. Uh, Avatar was a huge hit, and I think it was much bigger because it was 3D. And 3D is not just a gimmick anymore. When you look at a film like Avatar, James Cameron has used 3D as part of the creative process of making a film. It's not just something that's popping out of the screen at you anymore. It is now an integral part of the process of creating motion picture art. Plus, theaters can charge an additional surcharge on tickets because of the demand for 3D. So uh, the, uh, the huge increases that, that we've seen in revenue over the last few years have been fueled in a great part because of the uh, admission charges that we can get now for 3D films. I don't know if, if you recall this. I mentioned it the other day on the air that in my lifetime, I recall uh, whether this was direct or indirectly related, that Star Wars bumped the ticket price at that time from 3 to $4 when it came out. Apocalypse Now, the film price, uh, I went inside the Pacific Cinerama Dome, uh, went from 4 to $5 on that opening, and then movie movie ticket never went back down on either of those. Shortly thereafter, I think sometime into the 80s, it was $6. Um, so, you know, I guess... Larger pictures, if, if I'm correct, larger pictures that you know, whatever the studios did at the time commanded a larger fee. So, what you say about you know bumping the ticket price because it's 3D uh, makes a whole lot of sense. Yes, it does. And as, as you indicated, historically, uh, people are willing to pay for good entertainment. And if, if there's something that people really want to see. Um, it, it creates the you know the supply and demand. There is only one avatar out there, and if people want to see Avatar in 3D, uh, they're they're more than willing to to pay for the experience, and you know to pay a little bit more than they do for a traditional movie. Going back to the question on the uh, the uh, digital and the cost of digital, there there is the question: Is 3D facing the same problem with costs? In other words, the I guess the technology used to to screen the film. Yes, and part of the reason that we need to charge higher ticket prices is because of the technology costs. Now you have to uh, to pay for a, a 3D projector, not just a digital projector. Uh, there are licensing fees from, from RealD, uh, the company that we work with. Uh, there's also the cost of the glasses. Um, we have to replace our screens with silver screens because of the, uh, the, the 3D process requires more light to be reflected back from the screen than a traditional movie process. So all of that ends up costing quite a bit of money, and we uh, you know, need, need to have that, that added revenue from increased ticket prices to help offset the costs of it. Um. It seems that, that while all of this is going on, well, uh, let me ask the last question, and that is, is in the chat room, not the last question, but the question, um, is it up to the theaters to pay for all this new technology? That's solely the exhibition side. Well, that is what I've, I was talking about before, the models that uh, different companies are using. Uh, some 
the the initial savings for transitioning from digital or from film to digital are are on the studio side because they no longer have to produce 35 millimeter prints that cost uh, 900 a thousand fifteen hundred dollars depending on the length of the movie they don't have to ship them to theaters and then throw the the, you know the the film away when it's done Uh, so studios are are saving a great deal of money on the whole post-production side by having an entirely digital uh, streamlined process. So theaters don't see a great deal of, of benefit to switching from film to digital as far as saving any costs or anything like that. So the initial rollout of digital is being funded in, in some ways by the distributors, by the studios, because they're the ones who are seeing the most uh, cost savings initially. All right. Now, I've also noticed, though, that you're selling a lot more popcorn and soft drinks. I mean, it, that doesn't seem to be dying down, even though, as we talked before, it uh, can be a healthy price for that. And we discussed the importance of concessions, you know, to the profits of a movie theater. But what other kind of items are you guys selling now? I mean, you've added lounges and restaurants and all sorts of different stuff. What, what, what's, what's happening in, in, in that area, that side? That's part of the evolution of the exhibition business over the last few years. It is to create entertainment destinations at a movie theater so that people who want to have an evening out can come to a movie theater and they don't have to stop at the restaurant before they come. They don't have to stop at the lounge after they see a movie. They can now come to a theater location and have dinner at the movie at a restaurant, in the theater. They can stop for a drink at the lounge after the movie without ever leaving the building. So it creates this uh, one-stop kind of entertainment destination. Uh, We have put in uh, entertainment, uh, baby grand pianos in our lobby that uh, are are being played by music students uh, on, on weekends. It just creates a fun, inviting atmosphere where people can come enjoy a movie, have have dinner and have a drink and just have a, have a great night out without having to run all over the place. That's cool. That is very cool. As a parent, I understand how valuable that can be. As a young man living in Hollywood, I remember how hard it was just to park and get to a movie theater, whether it was Hollywood or Westwood or wherever it was in Los Angeles. And I used to comment at that time, we had no idea how uh, young couples or married people you know, negotiated that with parking, going to dinner, getting to the theater. So that makes an awful lot of sense, you know, a one-stop, you know, entertainment destination. During uh, this most recent uh, recession, it seems that the exhibition side still seems to thrive. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Uh, as, as many of your listeners know, last year uh, was the first time that uh, movie theater or uh, film revenue was $10 billion uh, in the United States and Canada in spite of being in the middle of a recession. I'm not saying that uh, uh, the movie industry is recession-proof, but it certainly seems to be recession-resistant. People are looking for ways to escape, and movie theaters still offer a, a good value for people. You, know, you you can spend 30 or 40 dollars at a movie theater have a 
an experience with uh, a movie and, and, and snacks and popcorn and drinks, uh, you might be able to buy one ticket to some other entertainment event for that kind of money. So it's really just a, an inexpensive way that people can enjoy an evening out with their family. But now, it, it seems to be thriving in, in light of a lot of other places not doing so well. I mean, Hollywood itself isn't doing so well. Some of the studios are having trouble. It seems like a lot of people are reorganizing. There's the, the uh, you know, blockbuster versus indie, you know, chatter that goes on. And and uh, and yet, you know, people are still going out and seeing movies. I mean, that is good news. People want to have a social experience. Going to a movie at a theater is completely different than sitting and watching it in your home. No matter how good a home video system you might have, it's still not a social experience. Would Hangover be as funny with one person in a living room compared to 300 people laughing together in a movie theater? I, I think it's just a completely different experience that people really crave the out-of-home experience to be able to share the experience with other people, make it a social event. And thank goodness for that, you know, especially in this digital age where most people seem somehow content to sit at their computers or in their home theaters or they manage to uh, enclose themselves with their phones and their Blackberries and their, you know, paging device, you know, whatever in restaurants and, and everything that people are still getting out and, 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 and taking advantage of that social situation. I know it is fun. It's an event to go to a movie, and it, and it makes it a good time. And I think most filmmakers will tell you they want their films to be shown on a big screen in a theater because it just is a different experience than watching it online or watching it on your home theater. Movies on the big screen are much more powerful. They have a bigger impact on the audience just because of the sheer size of it, but also because of the the sound systems that movie theaters have uh, that uh, really envelop the, the audience. The technology now being used for projection is, is so much superior to what it was a few years ago with uh, digital being so sharp and crisp and bright. And After a few weeks, the image is just as good as the first day it was presented. So going to a movie theater to experience a, a film really, I think, is the way that most filmmakers want to have their, their films presented. That's amazing. It is, it is wonderful. Uh, I know I went and saw Avatar twice. I went the first time, uh, opening day, to check it out to see if it was appropriate for my children and because uh, I've got small children. And I went and I saw the movie and I sat in the theater with these and, I, and I'm very resistant to wearing 3D glasses, but I sat there and I just kept going, oh, my goodness, <laughs> this is cool. And, uh, and so I enjoyed it, and so I, I got back into town, and I, and I told my kids at some point, because I knew my son especially wanted to see it, that we were going to go, and I, and I could take them with confidence that, that you know, there was nothing that was going to be bad for them kind of thing. And, uh, and we all had a blast. I mean, so... Uh, it, it's fun to see how things are, are evolving. Uh, tell me about uh, what are some of the biggest challenges facing the industry right now with uh, digital cinema and, and piracy and, and, and computers and things? Well, it, it is always a challenge for us to keep a step ahead of the other entertainment that people can have, uh, whether it's in-home or, or out-of-home. Like I said, creating an entertainment destination with uh, lounges and, and restaurants 
is creating something different that people can come and enjoy. Uh, we have to be better than what people can get at home. Uh, 3D is coming for home televisions, but it won't be the same experience that you get in a theater with 3D because the screen is much smaller and you don't have the immersive uh, quality that you would when you're sitting in a stadium seating state-of-the-art movie theater. But we have to keep ahead of every other entertainment form that's out there and to listen to what our customers say and to uh, give them what they want and to provide an experience that they can't get anywhere else. All right. How about when, you know, I mean, the piracy issue, people coming in and trying to film movies and put it up on the Internet and stuff like that. Is there a large impact on that, or is it primarily other realms, you know, pirated DVD? I mean, I, I don't, I'm not sure how things affect you, so. Well, uh, people are, are, are pirating movies, and the same day that a movie opens at a theater, if, if you want to, you can probably find it online somewhere from a BitTorrent bit site. It, it really hasn't had a great effect on exhibition. Uh, the primary effect has been on the studios and the DVD revenue. Uh, that has been greatly, greatly affected. And it also has affected us in a sense because the uh, the revenue streams that studios previously received from DVDs and uh, uh, video rentals and, and that sort of thing have decreased, so they don't have as much money to put into production as they did a few years ago. So that that's how it af has affected us a little bit. Well, has it affected you in the sense that you said now they're concentrated on opening weekends and they, in the, you know, there's a drop-off shortly thereafter and they're not so concerned with that and the, the runtime is shorter. And now, currently, do you see a glut of product in terms of these blockbusters that are coming in? I mean, are they, they coming in with the same frequency that they always have or is it better or worse? I mean, in other words, if you've only got a narrow window in which to really profit and then you got another narrow window. I mean, are you, you know, if you, if, if that happened 52 weeks out of the year, it'd probably be a good thing. Right. Well, actually, what's happened over the last couple of years is the the number of films has decreased. The number of films rated by the MPAA has decreased uh, substantially over the last five years or so. Uh, the number of films that we show in the theaters theatrically has decreased, but admissions and revenue have not decreased. So I think what's happened is Hollywood has created better films, not necessarily more films, so that the ones that are out there seem to do as well as you know, the, the 10 or 20 films each year that, that are not there this year. So quality over quantity. In other words, you, you've got a larger opening weekend on fewer number of films, but it it keeps the margins about the same or or better, is what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Carla, we have literally about 10 minutes left. There's going to be a whole lot more that obviously I want to talk to you about, and there's more questions in the in the chat room. So I want to uh, let the listeners know that we will have you back on the show at another time in the future, and we will announce that as well, because I want to talk to you about your role producing, because you produce live events and, and, and some other things and, and involved in movies. Um, 
maybe what we should do, uh, you were involved in other, well, here, let me ask you a question from the chat room first so that I can get to that, and then, um, but when we come back, uh, we, we talk about um, uh, some of the campaigns that you worked on, and, and I know that you opened a new uh, company, uh, your theater opened a new company in Omaha, and uh, we want to talk about online initiatives and all, and all sorts of stuff that we have uh, yet to cover. But a uh, question from the chat room is, um, what are some of the better marketing campaigns that you've seen done for a film or perhaps that you've worked on? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I have... One one of the things that I loved doing in this business was promotions. It's and it's uh, done as much anymore as it used to be. Uh, used to be that uh, studios encouraged individual theaters and theater managers to promote their films in their theater. Uh, we do crazy things like uh, dress all of our employees costumes for new movies that opened, uh, paint windows, and do radio promotions uh, for for Greece, for instance. We gave away a classic old car on a radio. Uh, for our movies, we had midnight shows and did seances and things like that. So that's but what's happened hey, Carlo, in, in Carlo? The, Carlo, yes. we're getting a little bit of uh, like cell phone echo or breakup, and I don't know if it's from your phone or if it's the trunk line, so... If you've moved, it may be to that. If not, then I can't. I, I don't know what it is. But 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 continue, please. I just, just okay. Wanted. All right. Uh, what, what's happened is studios uh, studios have uh, decided that they want to control the marketing of their movies, that, and that, that's understandable because they want to have a a consistent marketing campaign across the country. They want to have a consistent message that they want to sell. So they have taken over a great deal of the marketing for movies now and no longer do a great deal to encourage local promotions. Um, but that said, we still have a lot of fun with individual theater locations doing promotions. I'm sure when Karate Kid comes out this summer, a lot of theaters will have karate exhibitions in their lobby. They'll call the local uh, uh, martial arts schools and, and have students in their lobbies presenting programs and doing a lot of things like that. So it's all about creating awareness in a movie theater for the new movies that are coming up and trying to augment and supplement what studios are doing with their marketing materials and their campaigns. Have you any, I guess, I, I, I want to say, like, first-hand experience with this notion that Twitter affects uh, movie openings for better or for worse? No, not really. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of uh, press about that, but really haven't seen the effect at theaters. Uh, just anecdotally, I can tell you that I, I have seen people pull out their phones after they've seen a movie, Telling people, hey, I, I just saw this great movie. Come see it, or you know, you really should see it. Something like that. But uh, at the box office, I, I can't say that I've seen a great deal of effect from it. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Let's uh, let's ask this question. We've got about six minutes left, but and we may not get through all of it. But you're involved in helping independent filmmakers get theatrical releases at Marcus Theaters. Uh, how does that process work? And what can you offer filmmakers? 
Well, <clears throat> excuse me, what we can offer filmmakers is the opportunity to have a theatrical run. I've worked with several different filmmakers over the, the past few years, and primarily what we do is we, we look at the film that they have and evaluate whether it has any commercial potential and then work with uh, the, the, the theaters to get it into the theater and to do some marketing and advertising to help promoted at our locations. Uh, you mentioned Feed the Fish. We're looking at doing a theatrical run of that film in, in, in Madison after the, uh, the film festival run. Uh, that's not definite yet, but uh, you know, it's, it's one opportunity that uh, that film will have to see some theatrical release. Mm-hmm. What, uh, can, you, can you speak to some of the criteria uh, involved? Because uh, you know, my guess is, you know, Exhibitors feel an awful lot of movies come through and they make their best uh, educated estimate as to which ones are going to do well and which ones aren't on an opening weekend. And sometimes they're surprised beyond belief, I imagine. Other times they're disappointed incredibly in terms of how things you know, turned out. Uh, I think it's kind of like predicting earthquakes. It's not you know, an exact science. But... But having said that, you, you have an eye. You know, this is the business. The exhibitor's business is looking at things and evaluating, does this have commercial potential? What are some of the criteria that go into making that assessment? Well, first and foremost, uh, it, it is the technical side that uh, determines in, in many cases whether a film can be shown theatrically. Right now, our primary uh, locations have 35 millimeter projection, not digital projection. So if, if you don't have a 35 millimeter print, that automatically makes it much more difficult. Uh, as I said at the beginning, our, our business is showing commercial movies. So we're not looking for shorts. We're looking for feature length films that have entertainment aspects to them. We're not necessarily looking for, for documentaries or that sort of thing. Uh, so, 35 millimeter needs to be feature length. It needs to be feature quality, and have entertainment aspects that will attract an audience. Does it have to have name actors? Does it have to have name director? Does I mean, in other words, when it comes to you know the the other things, the one sheets, the promotional sides, you know, in in the same way that a distributor you know wants elements for the DVD case. I mean. Uh, are there other attributes that are necessary for this film to have? I mean, certainly there are movies that come along and have nobody in it, and they and they mm-hmm. surprise us. But in general, is there something a formula that you're looking for for the filmmakers out there? If they were listening, they go, "If I'm going to make a commercial movie uh, and to get a release somewhere, here are the ingredients I have to have. You know, one, I've got to be able to afford prints. I, I've got to make it look like a. You know, what else can you tell us? And we well, got <laughs> it doesn't need to have a star. It doesn't need to have a director, but it needs to have a good story, something that's going to engage people. Um, I've, I've worked with several several people on, on films, uh, like uh, the uh, Alan Kowicki, which is the story of a uh, NASCAR driver who was from Milwaukee. And that, that film played at theaters in Milwaukee. No stars, nobody that you had ever heard of. But... It was a subject that had strong local interest, and it ended up doing pretty well at our locations. Um, we did uh, 
a film called The Marksman that was shot in uh, northern Wisconsin. And uh, it, it played at several of our... It had an interesting story, did pretty well. Again, it was the strong level of local interest that brought people into the theaters, not the stars that were in the Godfather of Green Bay had had a couple of people that were fairly well known, but uh, that wasn't the main attraction for that film in in Green Bay. It was the local association. Yeah, I I, I very much enjoy, I didn't see the other two that you mentioned, but I saw Godfather of Green Bay, and I enjoyed that very much. And uh, I, I thought it was delightful. Is there a, a and in about a minute and a half, are there particular genres that you would select over others? You know, I mean, everybody thinks, well, I can make a horror movie that's likely to get a release somehow. Mm-hmm. Are, are, are dramas versus comedies or romantic comedies? Are there some tougher than others to to um, get your foot in the door with? No, I don't think so. It just needs to be a good movie and have a, a good story that people can relate to. We've done um, Being Bucky, which was a documentary about the uh, University of Wisconsin Bucky mascot. Uh, as I said, the Alan Kowicki story. We did uh, uh, dramas like Lady in the Box. Uh, we've done comedies like Godfather of New York. So it really just depends on the quality of the film itself. Well, that's all very encouraging for the filmmaker. I, I appreciate that very much. And the question in the in the chat room is, well, then who do they contact regarding something like that? And I I, I don't mean that you give out a name, but if you gave out a title, I suppose. We, we oh, they could they can start with me, and I I will pass it along to the necessary people internally. Well, that is awesome, Carlo. We are out of time, but we will come back and we will continue this talk. It has been absolutely fascinating. You've got a wealth of information, and there's a lot more. Uh, regarding this and the behind the scenes and, and what goes into making, you know, a movie release successful and the role of exhibitors, you know, and the role of social media and and also certainly want to talk about, you know, the kinds of things that you do as well. So I appreciate this very much. I know you're out of town. I, I wish you a safe trip home when you're when when you travel, and uh, and I appreciate you being here immensely. Thanks for thanks for joining us on Rex X Movie Beat. It's a pleasure to be here, Rex. <laughs> well, thanks. I will talk to you soon, and uh, and uh, you have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. And again, that's Mr. Carlo Petrick, uh, marketing manager of Marcus Corporation. Uh, you know, if again, uh, please go ahead, make us a friend, make us a fan, right there where you're listening. If you're listening to this as a podcast, rate it, review it. You know, and if, whenever you like something, go ahead and gush. That's what I always tell people. But um, you know, if you like it, go ahead and gush. Repost our, uh, this kind of information on your Facebook wall. Uh, retweet about it. It all helps get my guests' information out to others. If you've benefited by it, if you've enjoyed it, please spread it. Please help help uh, us reach more people. And keep in mind, we've got many more exciting guests coming up in the near future. So stay tuned. Uh, keep sharing and uh, join us at Rex Sykes Movie Beat Friends on Facebook. And everybody have a fabulous day. You know, make your movies, complete your projects. You just got really some good news uh, from an exhibitor about, you know, what kind of uh, commercial criteria one needs to get a theatrical release. So wrap your brain around that and make sure that uh, your movies fit the bill and, and best of luck to you. Until we meet the next time, that's a wrap.